Amen. Let's hear it for our band high of 95. <laughs> uh, as many of you know, we got double duty on the fans today. As many of you know, I am a, uh, what you would call a sweater. Uh, and so by the end of this, I'm probably going to be a puddle. So uh, we're, we're just going to have to deal with it. We're going to embrace it, not literally because social distancing and gross, but uh, that's just what's in store for us today. So hopefully you've got more than that. Uh, we're going to start a new series today. Uh, it's called Longing for Home. And just to kind of put that series in context, uh, Pastor Josh in the last series talked about uh, the end of the world and how the end is near-er. And in that series, he uh, talked about the end of the world and the difficulties that this world will go through, but also the beautiful end that Christ has in store for us. And so last week, he ended the series by talking about the things that Christ calls us to do as we move towards that end. Some of you listen to what Jesus calls us to do, and maybe you're new to Christianity or you're interested in Christianity, and you heard all the things that Christ calls us, and you thought to yourself, why would I want to do all these things? This seems like a lot. Maybe you're a Christian and you thought that. It's like, man, Christ calls us to do a lot of things. Why would I want to do that? Well, that's what I want to talk about in this series because I believe from the short time that I've lived this life on this earth that all of us in the deepest desires of our heart long for Christ and what He offers us. I believe we all have what I call a longing for home which is what, uh, the title of this series. I also believe that especially now, in the middle of everything that is going on, all the difficulties that we are experiencing as a community and in our personal lives, that our longing for our true home for Christ and for what He offers us is revealed now more than ever. And so this week, we're going to be addressing the longing for home and how different people choose to deal with it, but then how Christ calls us to embrace it. Next week, we will get practical about what it looks like to live with this longing. And then finally, we're going to be looking at what we are longing for and spending some time worshiping, about, worshiping Christ and worshiping everything that He is offering us and has in store for us. And then we'll understand why all the things He wants us to do, how we can do those things with joy because of His great love for us. So let's pray over this message and this series. I invite you to bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we love You and we thank You that You are uh, our Savior, and we thank You that You did come to this earth to die for our sins, and You resurrected from the dead, and that gives us hope. That gives us an end that if we turn from our sins and profess faith in You, that there is a secured end to our lives, and there is an eternity that is secured, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what You have done. And so we thank You for that, and we worship You for that, but we know that in the meantime, there are things that You have called us to do. And so help us to live through the, this, this world, live through these shadowlands like we'll talk about next week, and please bless this time. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I have found myself uh, in this past season sleeping more when I can. Is anyone else tired? Anyone else just tired and weary with everything that's going on? I'm glad I'm not the only one. It has been a rough couple of months. Uh, I recently re realized that we are six months into 2020. We are six months into 2020. And I just remember all the optimism that was there in January, how people were talking about having 2020 vision, and we were so excited for the future, and then none of us were prepared for the proverbial punch in the face that 2020 has been. It's been tough. It's been tough. COVID-19, everything that goes along with that. There has been economic instability for many. 
There has been acts of, of racial injustice and there's been tensions there that we've been working through. There has been responses to that that have also been very difficult for us to wrestle with. A lot of politics going on surrounding those things. For parents, your kids are home more often, uh, which is an adjustment, I'm sure. And for kids, you're with your parents more, which I'm sure is also an adjustment. And so all this is the umbrella that is over your, your regular, uh, regular struggles of your personal life. You know, your life is still continuing and there's still drama that goes along with your own personal life. And so not only are you dealing with a pandemic, not only are you dealing with everything that's going on in the world, but you're also dealing with your own personal struggles. And so some of you are experiencing difficult things and you have to wear a mask in the midst of it all. And so it's a tough time. Now, there's been a lot of good that has come out of it. People are educating themselves on racial issues and justice is being served in some amazing ways. We are adapting to the changes of COVID-19 and as with the history of humanity, when there is a, a common sort of enemy, we are all able to unite and we're able to work together. So we're seeing more unity coming through this pandemic, which is really good. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our community support team. Please give them a round of applause because they have been doing incredible things showing the love of Christ to our community here in Delco. And so though there has been some really good things that have come out of it. But even though there's good in the midst of the difficulties, whenever you ask someone how they are doing, it seems like the answer is always through a sigh, I'm all right. And no one seems to be thriving under these conditions, and that leads us to the understanding that is the title of our sermon today. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. We weren't meant to live like this in quarantine, with, with travel restrictions, you know, you're not able to see certain members of your family. Colors are constantly changing back and forth in our state. I think we're in purple now. I don't know what that means. Everyone's wearing masks everywhere. We're unable to go to, to church. Some people are still live streaming at home. We're unable to go to restaurants and gyms and all of these things. We're limiting gatherings and all these things are necessary and important. So I'm not bashing them at all. We need to do this. We're in this together. But it's not supposed to be this way. It is important to note, however, that this phrase could also have been said for life before the pandemic. You know, this was highlighted by uh, the racial injustice that has been brought to light recently. The nation was upset, not only because this situation, these situations happened, but because they had happened before. Before all of this. Before the pandemic and the recent highlighted situations of racial injustice, there are, were situations and tragedies that occurred in the world at large and also in our personal lives that we would come, that we would point to and say, it's not supposed to be this way. You see, this is part of the universal human condition. We are all born with this intrinsic desire for a perfect world, a world how it is supposed to be. And then we all experience this disappointment when we realize that the world is not. What I like to call this desire, this desire for the perfect world, the desire that is not met by our broken one, I like to call it humanity's longing for home. Longing for our true heavenly home. And we'll get into what I mean by that a little bit later, but this desire has been labeled many things. One that is famous in church circles is the God-shaped hole. Has anyone ever heard that phrase, the God-shaped hole? Yes. Uh, a God-shaped hole in humanity's hearts. It's the hole that can only be filled by God, and if we attempt to fill it with anything else, we will be left dissatisfied. There's a famous clip uh, that's an interview with a man named Tom Brady. 
He's this sports guy. Uh, you may have not heard of him. I know I hadn't before this moment. Uh, but he's this sports guy. He was interviewed after a Super Bowl win, which I think is like a croquet thing. Um, but the point of the clip, he had just won a Super Bowl. I think it was his third one. Uh, and Tom was being described as the most eligible bachelor, bachelor, had an incredible amount of money, fame, and career accomplishments. And yet, he still said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there is something greater out there for me? Maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I've reached my goal, my dream, my life, but me, I think there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. This person who has given so much and put so much effort into accomplishing his goals gets to the mountaintop moment and says, is this all there is? What this shows us is that we all know deep down that this world is not how it is supposed to be. And even when things go the way we want them to, we are left with a part of us whispering, is this really all there is? An unfortunate truth of this world is that even the most perfect day ends. There is this philosopher, atheist philosopher named Camus uh, that I heard Tim Keller quotes. That's why I've got the quote. Uh, But he said, beauty is unbearable. It drives us to despair, offering us for a moment the glimpse of an eternity that we should like to stretch over the whole of time. In short, beauty breaks our heart because it never lasts. Now, I recognize that this may be a somber topic, But the reason I wanted to talk about this is because now, more than many other times in our lives, we are all at a moment where it is in our faces that things are not the way that they're supposed to be. We all experience that in our lives, but often at different times. And in this moment, it is in front of all of us. And I wanted to talk about how to respond to this fact. The fact that we live in a world that's not supposed to be this way. Obviously, Jesus has things to say about this, but before we get there, I want to look at some of the common ways in which humanity has grappled with this reality. The reality that things are not as they are supposed to be. One common response to a world that we know is not how it is supposed to be, and one where the best experiences do not fully satisfy the desires of our hearts, is that we can become cynical and resentful. Last time I preached, I uh, gave a quote from Teddy Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena, and in that quote, he labels two types of people in this world. The people that are actually in the arena trying to make a difference, and then the cynics and the critics on the sidelines that are making fun of and tearing down the people in the arena. Disappointment in this world is one of the reasons that we become cynics. uh, Cynicism is ultimately boiled down to distrust. You distrust the world, you distrust God, you distrust relationships, products, organizations, companies, and people learn to distrust when trust is broken. When certain, expectations that, when certain expectations that we have are not met. A cynic is someone who enters into this world with excitement and high hopes and joys, but then they are disappointed by this world and they become jaded and resentful. Do you guys remember your first crush or your first relationship? Maybe it hasn't happened yet, but, but many of us here, I'm sure, have experienced that. Our first crush, our first relationship... Uh, for me, my first relationship came when uh, I asked this girl to prom uh, in high school, and I, I liked her a lot, but I thought that she didn't like me. Uh, it turns out that she did, and I was just oblivious to that fact, um, which is a common trope in me. But uh, after I asked her to prom, she texted me thanking me because I did it in a kind of like special way, uh, and I was like, oh, of course, you're welcome, like, milady, this is wonderful, uh, and I thought that that was where the conversation would end. But then she kept the conversation going. And it kept going uh, over days at a time, and we were talking every day, and I was like, why is this girl texting me? What is going on here? 
And then I finally figured out that she liked me, and the next thing I know, we were holding hands for the first time. Uh, I used this technique that I patented called the pinky technique, where you know, we were watching a movie together, and I slowly but surely inched my pinky across the couch, and then eventually we were holding hands. It was amazing. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It is the slow and steady technique. We think we were watching a two-hour movies, and it took me about an hour and 45 minutes to make my pinky across. Uh, but yeah. I'll, I'll give you the full technique later. But, so, but that was a beautiful, amazing moment, one that I still look back on fondly. Uh, and I'm sure many of us have experienced uh, things like this, or maybe if you haven't experienced that in, in a relationship, you've experienced moments where you look back on and you smile because it was such a beautiful time in your life. You know, we all have experiences like this, you know, especially you know, your first relationship, your, your first time in love, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful, this is amazing puppy love, it's intoxicating. But then you break up. And you know, we all know how hard and devastating that can be. You know, I've shared before, I still have a hard time listening to Coldplay. Um, I know it was all yellow, but still, I'm pretty blue. Uh, sorry for that. <laughs> these moments hurt, though, and I know that these are light examples, but I know for a fact that all of us in different ways have experienced our fair share of disappointments and hurt throughout this life. We have expectations, desires for how our life will go, and those desires, expectations, and dreams are hit, sometimes hard, with reality and with the brokenness of this world. Now, when our expectations are not met, trust is broken between us and this world, so we become distrustful and cynical. The next relationship comes along, and you're a little bit more guarded. You're a little bit more careful with your heart. You're a little bit less trusting. And, and, and maybe there's those experiences, you know, holding hands for the first time, maybe it takes, you know, an hour instead of an hour and 45 minutes, you know. Uh, use these experiences when they happen, uh, you, you, they are a little less satisfying because you're a little more careful because you're afraid of getting hurt. You know, we, uh, uh, if we continue like this and keep getting hurt and running into disappointment, we will decide not to expect too much from life or anything. We distrust all, that, all the things that comes our way, and whenever we see young idealism, we do our best to correct them to our way of thinking. We also turn to as many escapes as we can to numb ourselves to the profound disappointment that we feel with life. We are let down by life, and so we lash out or we ignore it, and we ignore it through video games, we ignore it through entertainment, shallow relationships, television, uh, movies, or, or, or just simply complaining. You know, this resigned disappointment and pessimistic view of life is not what Christ wants for us. Jesus himself states that while the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, he came, Jesus came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. So our longings for paradise can lead us to cynicism, but they also can lead us to hedonism. Now cynicism is when you're so broken and you're so disappointed with the world that you have no goals. You don't want anything from life, no expectations. Hedonists takes their disappointment with the world and the fact that you know, even the most satisfying things are only so satisfying, and they pursue, pursue pleasure. Uh, and they decide to chase after as much pleasure as they can, the pursuit of pleasure, self-indulgence, what our pop, many pop songs call chasing the feeling. I won't spend too much time here because there are enough illustrations in this world of how the pursuit of pleasure leads to destruction and misery. Many have seen people in our lives chase after pleasure and have seen where it leads. You know, whatever we give our attention to requires sacrifice. Whatever we make our priorities in life will cause us to sacrifice other priorities. So if you want to be an athlete, you're going to sacrifice time with your friends in order to practice. You're going to sacrifice eating delicious junk food by eating healthy food in order to become a better athlete. And so for those of us that make pleasure the ultimate goal, we will sacrifice the love of friends, family, and often the potential we have to make an impact for the world in order to indulge ourselves. 
Now, there are many other ways that people respond to the world not being the way it should and the temporary pleasures of good things. Some pick up a political cause or humanitarian cause to make the world as it should be. You know, they see that things are not the way that they're supposed to be, and so they fight to make the world as it should. And Christ, in some ways, calls us to that. We'll talk about that uh, next week. Some choose to pursue romance and take the brokenness they find in themselves and the world and look for someone to complete them. Some, it's a mixture of all these responses, and while some of them are good, I still believe that there's a better way. There's a better way to deal with the fact that this world is not how it's supposed to be, and yet we still desire a perfect world. Returning to our text that we read earlier, we see that uh, the Christian approach to we see the Christian approach to our dissatisfaction with the world. It begins with the recognition recognition that this world is not our home. This world is not our home, and there we, therefore we should not place the expectations and longings for our perfect home onto it. The author of Hebrews tells us that the great men and women of faith that he described earlier in the passage, Hebrews 11, is all the amazing people of faith. He says that they all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. They were foreigners and strangers on this earth. The men and women that are praised for their faithful lives in Hebrews 11 are said to all have acknowledged that they were strangers and foreigners on this earth. Meaning that they had recognized that this earth is not their home, but they were journeying towards their heavenly home. That their heavenly home was in the future, the place where all things would be made right, the place where their desires would be fulfilled. The author of Hebrews continues and says that the people who call themselves strangers and foreigners on this earth make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And all of humanity at one point or another realizes that this world does not satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. Remember what Camus said, that even the most beautiful things of this world drive us to despair because we cannot stretch that feeling, that satisfaction we feel in those moments into eternity. But what if we could? What if there was a place where the satisfaction never ends, where the beauty that we see is forever fulfilling? You see, we could choose to respond to this world that's not the way it is supposed to be with cynicism and walk around angry with the world and humanity. Or we could respond with hedonism and chase the temporary pleasures that this world does offer at great expense and hurt of others. Or we can learn from these great men and women in Hebrews 11 and respond in faith. We can accept the truth that we are strangers and foreigners on this earth. We are journeying towards our heavenly home. Or as C.S. Lewis stated, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. He uses the example of bread. When you are hungry, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to eat, but it does mean that you live in a place where your hunger can be satisfied. And so he says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That longing for home. As Christians, when we experience brokenness or disappointment in this world, we are not surprised because we know that we are meant for another. This world is not our home. At one point in the Gospels, Jesus tells his followers something that I am becoming to realize more and more is one of the most beautiful promises of Scripture. 
He says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. And he continues on to say that he is the way that is only through Christ we can experience this heavenly home. I go to prepare a place for you. Do you see what he is saying? He is preparing our room, our true home for us, the one that we desire and the one that this world is supposed to be, but it isn't. That is a great comfort for us because it helps us to explain why we feel like a stranger and a foreigner on this earth, why we feel like things are not how they're supposed to be and that we are not made for this world. Acknowledging that we are strangers and foreigners on this earth does not mean that we do, we, will, we do not enjoy our lives here. In fact, as we will discuss next week, it means that we will enjoy our lives here more. Acknowledging that this world is not our true home does not drive us to despair, but it means that we will stop putting unrealistic expectations on this world and each other to satisfy us. And it sets our eyes upon our heavenly home where we know our deepest longings that were created in us will be satisfied by our Creator. People that acknowledge that they are strangers and foreigners on this earth believe the psalmist when he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The world is not the way that it is supposed to be. And as we have all felt over the past few months, that can be incredibly frustrating. But let us take heart that the very fact that we have knowledge that this world is not the way it is supposed to be points to the fact that there is a place where things are how they are supposed to be. Scripture tells us that the new heaven and the new earth, the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us, that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old things have passed away. Which means there's nothing to cry about. There's nothing to be sad about. A place where there's no racism, no diseases, and no wealth disparity, no politics. A place where we were created for where the deepest longings of our hearts are satisfied by the one that made our hearts. A place where things are as they are supposed to be. And so as followers of Christ, we are all journeying towards this place, and I promise you that there is a satisfying end to our journey. An incredibly satisfying end to our journey. There is nothing like coming home after a long time away. There is nothing like being missed by the ones that you hold dear. In Psalm 116.15, the psalmist says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Which always puzzled me. Because I would not think that the Lord, I would not think that the Lord would, would like to see his children die. But that is not seeing things from his perspective. The death of his faithful servants is precious in his sight because it means that after their long and difficult journey, his children will finally be home. What a privilege it will be to one day walk through the door of, new, of the new heaven and the new earth, put down our heavy pack, and embrace our incredible Father that brought us there. Before I close, I wanted to talk to those of us in this room or are watching online that are not followers of Christ. Perhaps you have had this feeling of being a stranger on this earth, this disappointment that the world does not satisfy the deepest longings of your heart, no matter how much you pursue pleasure. If you have experienced that, I encourage you to see that for what it is. The God of the universe calling you home. 
The same God of the universe who looked upon your sins and mine and, and still wanted us to be a part of His family. To have a room in His house forever. So He sent His Son Jesus to take the punishment that we deserve for our sins by dying on the cross and then He resurrected three days later so that if we turn from our sins and place our faith in Him, we may be given forgiveness for our sins, eternal life, and a relationship with our Heavenly Father who each day guides us closer to our heavenly home. If you would like to embark on this journey, I invite you to talk with Pastor Josh, myself, or any of our board members about what this looks like. That truly is what the Christian life is, a journey home. A home that we long for and desire above all else. I invite you to bow your heads with me and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is a destination that we are heading towards, and I pray for those that have not yet accepted that gift of salvation who are right now heading towards destruction rather than home. Lord, we have these desires, we have these longings. Help us to, not, help us to stop placing unrealistic expectations on this world and place them onto you. You are the one who promised us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what, no heart can imagine what you have prepared for those who love us. We believe that, we trust in that, and we look forward to that. Be with us today. Please bring people into your family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.